Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay, who will be in every episode. You sounded a little unsure over there. What was the hesitation? I debated on having a different guest (laughs) at at short notice. Oh, at short notice. (laughs) I was like, do I want it to be Jay today? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm already here, so... You're already in the chair. Yeah, there would have been real late notice. Here, can I ask you... I'm going to need you to leave. Can I ask you a question? If you were to go on one of the late night shows where you like walk out and talk to one of the late night hosts, what stories would you tell? Do you think like, would you have like a go to like, because they always have some type of like, haha, we're relatable anecdote about, you know, something that is existing in their world. Boy, that is a great question. And I suspect that for the most part, they are able to answer with such confidence and readiness because they know the questions are coming ahead of time. So it's like, think about it. And then like the host has to react to whatever they say. Maybe they know the questions. They don't know what the person's going to say. Oh, that's a a good point. That's a good point. Because I guess there's probably like almost, yeah, I mean, surely the people are, are prompted because otherwise it would be like, so what's new in your life? And it's like, nothing. Yeah. I'm doing nothing. I don't know. You know, I just made a movie. It's like what I'm here to talk about. So I was in it. You should see it. You should see it. Um, I'm going to have some something humble that I'm going to say. You know, this has been like a weird thing that like the further I've gotten into like uh, YouTube and stuff is is like whenever we do interviews and stuff, like a lot of times people will send us the questions ahead of time so that we can like have an idea of what to say. Yes. But when I was in school, um, like learning about journalism and the news, like I, they're like on in multiple classes, they were like, never tell them the questions ahead of time. So I'm always like, these people are messing up. They shouldn't be telling me the questions. (laughs) This is, this is a mistake. They they have no journalistic integrity. Nothing. But then I'm also, so like I'm on the receiving end of it. I'm like it's really nice to send me the questions ahead of time. This makes it so much easier. It's just like it's this weird like I learned a rule and like I have probably for like real journalism like where you need to like try and like catch people off guard with questions or get real honest answers and like you don't want them to be able to have like a prepared statement for you. Yeah, like, that makes more sense. Whereas like anyone who's interviewing us about being YouTubers or something, it's probably just like a nice like fluff piece and we just want to get to know you. So yeah, whatever. I have such mixed feelings about this exact thing because I frequently feel like um, we'll just use like the White House, for example, they'll have like a press conference where there's yeah. a bunch of people there and they're asking all these questions. And it, it very frequently feels like someone might give an answer uh, that ultimately ends up being as like a news story. It's like like that they'll say blah, 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 blah. And they're like, whoa, this person said this. And some sometimes I do have that feeling of like, if you're asking people on the spot questions about like maybe the state of of the entire country or like like nuance within a strategy that we're working on on like a very like sensitive scale Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's like is the best way to go about this 
asking questions on the fly because I do think that it does offer that opportunity for someone. It's like, you can't, you can't go through and give like the very carefully crafted, like this is the most like, you know, politically correct and perfected version of exactly what I want to say. Um, but also it's sometimes like how acceptable would it be for these people to be like, I have no idea. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, like we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. You know, well, that, yeah, that's like an unacceptable answer, right? It For is. the most part, it's like, oh, you asked me a good, insightful question that, like, you know, that is important. For, you can't be like, eh, I just don't know, right? You know, but yeah, better yet, okay, let's talk about presidential debates because I've uh, always felt this way. It's like uh, whenever, okay, so like a good leader doesn't have all the answers. A good leader is willing to go and ask people who are specialists in a specific topic who can speak in depth about a given thing. Mm-hmm. And so whenever there's like a presidential debate and they're like, well, what do you think about blah, 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 you know? And it's like, if it were me and I was the person who was president and somebody asked me, how do I feel about this thing? What I would go and do is talk to a bunch of people who know a lot about that thing. I wouldn't, I never would I be like, well, here goes nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me try. Yeah. That's why um, you wouldn't get elected because people would be like, this guy, he needs to know. It's like, whether or not that's true, people want to think it's true. I want there to be like a panel though of like, it's like I have like, I've chosen my like, my my six people who I'm going to go and, and like- Oh, gonna, that'd be interesting. Like, we'll like, deliberate. Like presidential debate plus- team yeah 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 exactly yeah. it's like it's like let me go let me go chat with my right my, my crew over here it's like i i have a, a mathematician back there who's going to be able to succinctly explain to me exactly what this is because i don't know right but like you asked about this let me I said, hold on uh, i i happen to have um this person with me and you know all about that okay can am i correct that this is that okay so if that's true is this you know like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, i would yeah that'd be very interesting to have more of just like a yeah we have people we could just turn around and ask uh because this is how i will be handling you know things <laughs> I, it's not my plan to answer <laughs> questions as a leader of an entire country based on the seat of my pants right yeah. you know okay but, but that also i think it would probably help answer the actual questions being asked rather than like oh i don't have an answer let me redirect this to something i want to talk about yeah yeah that's also so so annoying when you're watching stuff like that it is very annoying you know and it's interesting because you and i did uh we practiced we we tried a concept here in office um a couple of months ago now maybe a few months ago that i thought was fascinating because it had to do with pokemon cards so hard transition to from world politics to I'm talking about cards. Pokemon cards. I know, I know. I can see you lighting up as we're as we're doing it. Um, we we tried this thing where it's like I like to uh, contribute to the collection of the Pokemon cards. I like to figure out how we can um, mostly break even on our collecting endeavors, so that while we are purchasing a whole bunch of stuff, we also have a way to like you know refill the tank from that purchase. Right. Um, and you are extremely into the actual gameplay right. of, of the, of the sport as it were. And so you and I did this thing where we walked into the office one day and I was like, let me knowing absolutely nothing, help you build a deck. And so what we did was like, I, I, I have nothing. So it was like, what, what is the most competitive current deck 
in the meta. Right. Mu V Max for Mu- sure. Right. Unstoppable. Right. And so what we did was I just asked a bunch of questions about like what does Mew do and what can make Mew be hurt more? And like, yeah, are there any cards that are able to do that? And then based on that card, are there any like trainer cards that we could do that would double or amplify that effect? Right. Like not knowing anything about what the cards themselves were, just saying like, what are its strengths? Are there cards that could counter that strength in this exact way? And just being like, yes or no. Right. And, yeah, it was it was a really interesting experiment because we whittled it down and we ended up with um, uh, a, a pretty a pretty cool deck list that um, it, uh, it it was a li- I would say it was a little bit off. We ended up centering it around a card called Crobat, um, but like to my utter astonishment, not like a week, a week and a half later, basically people who were doing the exact same thing we were doing. Yeah. Um, except with, you know, tremendous knowledge and experience, uh, in the game we're we're starting to turn out very, very similar decks to counter this exact problem inside the game. Yes. Which is how do you beat Mew? And, uh, like, like ours was just, it was so, so, so similar. It, It was like, we were so very, obviously on the right track right yeah and it was like like the way like we reverse engineered it especially like the way you were approaching it not having knowledge of the cards themselves it was it was a really interesting to then also see it like start popping up yeah yeah exactly i mean and that to me felt like just pure like i mean it feels like one of those like really corporate buzzwords but it's it's synergy like Mm -hmm. um the whole is greater than the sum of its parts yeah. type of thing where it's like, <coughs> I like, used yes. Okay. Well, I was just going to say like, I mean, you and I b- both might have specific skills when it, per- like as it pertains to developing this strategy, like, you know, a lot of the cards and what they do and how they work and what their relationship with each other was. And if anything, all I was trying to do was like, what is this thing's strength? What is this thing's weakness? How can we exploit both of those things as right. best as possible? And so it, I, I just thought it was fascinating because it was a 30 minute workshop and we got so close yeah, to did. what actual competitive players were doing. Yes. I will say that uh, Pokemon regionals in real life play has returned as of this past weekend. Yes. And the the general consensus was that as much time as everyone has spent trying to beat Mew, everyone just played Mew. Oh, really? <laughs> it was like 50% of the field. It won the whole thing outright. Yeah, it's still it's still like because the the weird thing about it is like you can just like math it down and it's like the best most decks can possibly do is like become like a 50-50 matchup with Mew, but then like they're like that's that's the decks that are specifically built just to beat it. Right. And it's just like in the meantime, they lose to other things, whereas Mew still has a great chance at winning that matchup on its own. And in the meantime, is also amazing against everything else. So it's just like it's it's this very weird math problem where it's just like I I, I feel like no one wants to keep playing Mew, but also they're just like there's real you just you'd be foolish not to. <laughs> I know, I know. It's well, it's so interesting because I I always go back to there was this like one simulation that I did in college. It was like the Keystone Project for um my entrepreneurial management degree. So it was like, you know, like my 404 class or yeah. whatever. Like the the uh, the end class that you take. Yeah. And um what you do during this simulation is basically compete with other groups inside of your class on how to develop a um, tennis shoe 
brand is, is basically what it is. And so everybody has a software program. Everybody starts with exactly the same parameters in exactly the same ways. And from there, all you start doing is making decisions about like, I want to sell a higher quality product, you know, in, in my air quotes market, which would be the other, the other competitors in the class. And so there is like, uh, decisions that you could be making based on the circumstances of, of the classroom in order to be like, okay, everybody went low cost. That means that everybody is able to, um, sell more products more quickly, but a higher quality product will develop more brand recognition as the season goes on. So it's kind of like in the beginning, you end up essentially getting crushed because you're attempting to sell your product, which is better for a higher price. Mm -hmm. And that's very difficult in, you know, in a competitive market uh to convince somebody that it is worth that added expense right and so like i took as much as humanly possible like the very uh responsible approach to everything so like i was going to take every measure that 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 the system the software would allow you to do to be like as environmentally friendly as possible to you know make sure that like the factory workers were being properly compensated because these were all things you could do you could go anywhere from right there's like a hundred little sliders right and what it ultimately came down to and, and it was really interesting to talk to kids from so many of the other classes is that somewhere along the way the um smipo team at radford which is the student managed investment portfolio uh it was like a very competitive like within the world of entrepreneurial management they were the jocks essentially uh, i see um and literally the year that i was doing it i was in the class with the captain who had just won nationals wow and so they all had this Excel spreadsheet that they had developed that basically optimized it so that if you had the spreadsheet, you would win. Mm-hmm. Like, because it would go through and it would be able to respond to all of the all of the circumstances in real time and give you the actual best decisions that you could make. And it was this known, like, problem with this class because some people had it, which basically meant that you automatically, if you were on that team, you just automatically won. Right. And if you won the simulation, you got an automatic A for the course and didn't have to take a final. Oh. Which was a really big deal. Like, yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, it's an it's a ridiculously hard class. Gotcha. Um, so to to get that automatic A, and what the reason I compare it to Pokemon cards is because like there was the mathematical approach that this guy in my class was taking to basically just stomp the yard. They started the simulation the first week out of 12 teams in first place. And I started the first week in 12th place. And every single week I moved up one spot. And the last week I was in second, they were still in first by a landslide. And I like, I basically just went like full speed ahead right (laughs) on the end. So like I moved every lever, every which way I needed to, to give me the most massive, insane amount of impact. And I won by like three miles. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just this thing where it was like, I went like light speed past them. But what was fascinating about that is because they were working with this algorithm that was assuming behaviors would remain fairly consistent. Mm -hmm. And so like the way that I tricked it at the end was by not being consistent. Right. I changed everything. It was like, I mean, and this is, I would never do real business practices like this, for example, right. but it was like environmental impact studies done, you know, like yeah. workers, um, you know, benefits, all that type of stuff done. Like I pulled everything back 
And the thing was, is because it's a, it, it is acting as if it would, it would happen in a real time, uh, market as far as the consumer base was concerned, there wasn't enough time for them to react to these shifts. Uh, so I'm at the finish line as far as I'm concerned. I don't have to actually continue to do yeah, business. Yeah, to run the business. You're just about to win the class. I just have to win the class, <laughs> yeah. which I then did. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they were so mad. They were so mad. It was the most amazing. Like, even the teacher, like, went to, like, pull up the results in front of the class, and he was like, and we all, wait a second. Uh, and it was like, yes! That's hilarious. One of the proudest moments of... My, I, I would say, yeah, of my entire collegiate career, probably my entire academic career, hard yeah. stop. Um, beat the game. Beat the game. The reason I think it's fascinating, though, is that in my <clears throat> mind, I would imagine that the Pokemon trading card game is popular enough yeah. that it. there are people out there who have determined, using probably computers, how to absolutely optimize their decks to be as competitive as possible barring bad luck Mm -hmm. which my expectation is that the people who craft the game do it in such a way that that don't take that out of the equation there and there i mean when you're playing yeah a trading card game there's always going to be some like um like random number generation like luck based things that happen the i mean the way typically decks are considered more and more competitive is the way you can make them like consistent so that you remove as much of that as possible and replace it as much as you can with like skill right um so to that point um i don't know how much it's like you just go through the computer because the computer would have to play against so many different kinds of uh decks just to get all the testing done i i don't know how i i don't know how to do that as far as i know the way most people win is just by play testing it as much as they can against as many other people as possible sure yes and and i mean i i suppose some version of that is ultimately um if you want to talk about like sports other sports for example uh we like you and i have discussed before that there's this really super viral tiktok video of tom brady um and he's like you know standing in a field he talks to the camera he throws the football it, it like he wedges it perfectly into like one of those spinning wheel like yeah one of those machines that can throw footballs yeah exactly and then it shoots it back he catches it and then he throws it in again and it shoots it back and he catches it he says something else to the camera throws it and knocks over the machine by like throwing it straight through the bullseye right and it's like what tom brady has had at his disposal is just infinite like i mean not infinite but about as much resources as possible and time available to commit to optimizing his craft so well. Right. And so and so maybe it's the case that people aren't specifically using computers and spreadsheets, but my guess is that people who have spent that much time with it to be that competitive, um, it is reaching a point where they know not only the best possible sets of cards that they can have in their deck, but right. the best ways to use them yeah. and to, you know, execute everything from there. My curiosity would be as it, pl- as it applies to my, my simulation example would be, is there ever something where it's like they're optimizing based on the assumption that everybody's going to be using a certain style of competitive deck. Oh, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like there's a guaranteed. These are the best 60 cards you could be playing. Right. right. Because the very, like, so uh, interestingly, in the in the tournament that was played this past weekend at Brisbane for regionals, um, the the girl who won the whole thing 
um, was part of a team, and all four of them were playing the same sixty card deck. Okay, like they'd all work together to develop. You know, this is this is what we're gonna do. And sure enough, like she won, and then one of her teammates I think was top four, another one was like top eight, and another one was like top thirty two. Okay, and so like they're all really good, and they're all still playing the same deck, like right. the same exact sixty. But in the very act of winning this makes that deck public knowledge, which changes the entire game. Right. It's like it's this good because they were able to like do like the you know predict the the weather pattern of what the field would look like sure and it's like that's also a huge part of this like the skills like reading the meta and it's like okay these decks are this is going to be good this is going to be the best 60 on this weekend based on how everyone's been playing for the last two weeks right but like now that now that people know about it Certainly, every, everyone's like, this is the best 60. Now, tons of people are going to play that 60, which means people are going to come up with ways to beat that 60. Right. You know, so it's like it's a very amorphous being. <laughs> no, it, it absolutely yeah. is. And so that's that's why I feel like I mean, this would this would probably speak to my reckless approach to strategy yeah. in general, which in if any board game I've ever played with you suggests that it does not pay off well. Um, but I would love my strategy for if I was going to play the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah. Uh, would just be to figure out how to throw a wild wrench into anything yeah it's like it's like everybody's like okay i know this old song and dance what 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 that a a, a metapod how mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. a metapod deck metapod yeah. metapod being a stage one yeah yeah <laughs> middle evolution <laughs> can't attack typically pretty solid yeah <laughs> quite pretty, literally uh, uh, harden ah uh, man pokemon humor amazing anyway. amazing someone laughed <laughs> Anyway, transition? Transition! Okay, Jay, so uh, following up on a topic from last week, you and I had a rather hilarious, in my personal opinion, discussion about space tubes. About, yes, about whether or not you could have a straw to space, whether you could breathe in the straw, whether it would vent the air out of the earth. Uh, From what I understand, it was at least entertaining to listen to, if not a bit cringy, if you had any idea what the answer was, which is that basically, um, yeah, nothing would happen if you'd put a space straw like it wouldn't suck the air out of the earth or anything it was uh yeah <laughs> like all things though like all things it's like if you're smart enough to know how ridiculous what someone else is saying is it's cringy but most people all of us are not that smart right yeah we're not that smart but uh we look we there we did find an extremely informative video yeah um it, it, it's a ted talk it's a ted talk yeah that, that discusses this very concept because i was like is is it possible or like conceptually how would they do it like what what is the even if it can't be done right now based on current technology when they do it Mm -hmm. you know if if andy weir is going to make a a write a really in-depth space novel about it yeah that's the author of the martian and uh project hail mary project hail mary um, which maybe that's like a, I think that's listed as your wick of the peak. So maybe we can circle back to it. Maybe we can, yeah. but it means though that I, cause I, I have to imagine that whenever he's writing these books, because if you've ever watched the Martian or read the Martian, he is able to explain so thoroughly how one would actually grow potatoes in Martian soil. And it's like, to me, that means there must've been a discussion somewhere about what it would take in order to do this where you had like a group of like botanists and astrophysicists and all of the rest in order to offer some amount 
like realism to the story. Exactly. Right. Even if the the biggest difficulty of all of it is just being on Mars in the first place. Right. It's like, let's just remove the parts that are making it impossible. We're already on Mars. Now can we grow potatoes? Yes. yes. Which is the way that I start most conversations. Yeah. So anyway, what we what we discovered from this particular TED Talk, and we will link the video that we watched um, in the show notes for today's episode, it was really interesting to me because it is not what I expected. Um, I think my thought, and when we were talking about it last week, was basically like, we can build really tall skyscrapers. What if we built a really tall skyscraper right just brick and mortar up to space just brick it right on up and yeah. and i think one of the big questions that you and i both quickly came to is the the earth is spinning rather fast even though we don't tend to feel it yeah and the question would be when a structure was that large does the gravity act on it that much more like could it even withstand the, the, the force yeah, of, of spinning of earth spinning. Um, and I think that the answer to that question is no, it couldn't, but that still doesn't mean that this idea is conceptually impossible. Um, and ba- the, the, the very layman's terms version of it that the video gave us is almost like, imagine yourself on a merry-go-round and you have a string with like a stone on the end of the string and you are spinning fast enough that that string will just basically remain taut. Like if you keep spinning and spinning and spinning, then relative to your specific position, the rock never really moves. It, it, right. it, it like everything is moving. It's spinning in a great big circle, but you earth, um, like or or position on earth i guess is probably the better way to put it um we'll always have the same relationship with the rock on the end of the string uh so basically what they said we would have to do is essentially tie a rope to something big enough in space that it could remain taut by this same amount of force right so it has to be yeah you're basically creating like a like a uh, more like a, it, if it, and then if it's like a tube, it can potentially be used as an elevator. Yes, exactly. Right. And and it sounded like the more practical application of this would be sending things to space, maybe more specifically and more rapidly than it would be sending people to space. Right. It didn't sound like it was impossible. It just seemed like it was less likely. Yeah. Um, and ultimately what this, what this would allow us to do, because one of the big problems with um, sending anything to space right now is that the, the metric that it gave is that it costs about $7,500 for every kilogram of weight that we send to space. Right. And a kilogram is what, like 2.2 pounds? Oh, I don't know. Somewhere in that, that proximity. So not a lot either way. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, $7,500 a lot for that. Yes. It's uh, a lot to move it. It's a lot of shipping. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting, though. I was like, man, could you imagine if we were just tethered to an asteroid? Yeah, it's basically just creating a like something at the end of a tether. And the, yeah, like they, the example they gave in the video was an asteroid. It'd have to be like an exceptionally heavy thing to keep the thing taut. And then as the Earth spun, it would probably need to be positioned like on the equator and likely um, like somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean where... Uh, like big storms down on the surface would allow for it to like move around a little bit and not just get like snapped off or something. Right. Yeah. But then the problem is that there's like in order to have the structure that large, the structure itself then becomes very heavy, which is another accommodation you need to have. And you have to have something that's flexible enough 
to, um, you know, cover that distance, but also strong enough to not ever break. And that's sort of where they're stuck is that whether or not you can create the material to build the thing. Yeah. So it's like, here's the blueprints. We can do it. We just don't have the materials to do it. So, yeah. Anyway, it was, yeah, it was. We'll put a link in the show notes to it. It was a very interesting video. It was but very interesting. Space Elevator idea that people have had and are working on. Uh, it sounded like some countries plan on having it active by like 2050. So we'll see. That feels like one of those things where uh, someone said that in like, I don't know, 1992. They're like, yeah. 2050. That's a long time from now. We'll get it done. It'll be good. We have no idea how much technology will advance by then. (coughs) I'm going to have retired by then, so it's not going to be my problem. But I'm going to get it in motion. Here we go. (laughs) My guess, my guess, if somebody is listening to this in the year 2050, is that it will have something to do with uh, very, very large-scale 3D-printed mesh metal rope made out of titanium something or another yeah that's what i'm thinking okay yeah they're gonna 3d print a super long chain yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah that's it what is. they do in project hail mary really yeah i haven't gotten there yet oh well, never mind okay okay, okay. no spoilers no spoilers <laughs> anyway right, well, space then. tube explained space tube transition transition Ben, it says here on my notes document, and you just told me in real life, that you have started the 75 hard, which we talked about a little bit last week, but now I think you are like four or five days into. I'm currently, as of recording, four days into it. Um, You're four days difficult? Four days, yeah, yeah. I have been four days hard. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, so far, it's the very, very brief, brief recap in case you didn't listen to last week's episode is basically two workouts a day, uh, 45 minutes each. One of them has to be outside a uh, gallon of water per day. Uh, and the other really big one is picking a diet and sticking to it. Um, and th- like there is, there are a couple of other like interesting ones, like taking a progress picture every day, which I decided to do one every five days. Um, mostly because oddly as simple as it would seem to just, like go and take a picture of yourself. Yeah. I wanted to be able to take the picture in the same spot so that like from like a spatially positioning standpoint, it's like I'm the same distance from the camera, you know, cause sometimes like the way, like how far the camera is and like the, the angle of the lens and stuff, like it can have a lot of, it, it can like change a lot in and of itself. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, like lighting is, you know, obviously better and worse at different times of the day. And the only time of day that I'm able to take one of these progress pictures, uh, with good natural daylight is early in the morning as it like comes through my living room. So I was like, I'm just, that's, it's going to become too much of an inconvenience to do that, but that has less, I think to do overall with the with with the physical changes that are otherwise happening right okay does that make sense yep so if if you're uh counting at home and you're like oh you didn't do it all then it's like yeah then i didn't do it all um but otherwise yeah it's been it's been pretty interesting to try to figure out how to incorporate these two workouts every day right so far uh it's pretty typical for me like when i do a workout it's like i'm gonna go way too hard uh because that's just my personality so with this i have been very aware of the fact that i need to like scale it back they're like like, each workout can't be super intense um despite that what is very surprising to me is that it means that i've done um probably workouts that are maybe at like 60 percent of what i would typically aim for yeah and i'm sore you know just by doing that much 
like just just by doing more easy workouts i'm like holy cow like right i am feeling this yeah i'm not surprised i mean it's always just the difference between like doing anything versus doing nothing yeah you know it's like it's like sitting and doing nothing is 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 like so not helpful and just being up doing anything at all is going to take you so much further even if what you're doing is just walking well let me tell you let me tell you because this was the exact thing that happened to me on the first day so i am using um my fitness pal to track all of like my um like macros i guess specifically protein is the big one that i'm that i'm putting up a the major amount of my emphasis on for my dietary stuff. Um, and what I discovered is that through my fitness pal, you can actually pair different apps with it. So I have like my Fitbit and my Fitbit app and I have like Strava, which is like a, like an exercise tracking app, which can like funnel into it. And then that way it, as you're walking throughout the day, like your Fitbit is automatically sending all of that data into my fitness pal to let it know like how far did you walk, uh, which came as a huge surprise to me at the end of my first day where it finally synced up and told my fitness pal, which is like where all the, all the food is, how much I had moved that day. And it was like, Oh yes, you needed another like 38 grams of protein. And yeah, I was, was like, like, it was like deducting your yeah, work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's like literally because you moved, this much throughout the day you need to make up for that movement and i was like oh man i didn't plan for this so like on the first day you know it's like 10 o'clock at night and i'm sitting there and i'm like i need 38 grams of protein i'm going i'm getting some chicken yeah yeah. no that was a protein shake actually every day so far i've had a protein shake at like 10 o'clock at night Mm, there Um, you go nice that's that's how i'm getting it protein sleep right yeah Yeah. (laughs) maybe it's really good maybe i'm just like recovering at night um i will say i'm drinking just just an obscene amount of protein shakes yeah it's the fastest and easiest way to get it down absolutely it is yeah That'll do it. That'll add up real quick. I've been drinking what to me feels like an obscene amount of just water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we, uh, gallon of water is one of the big ones. We talked, I think last week about how you got a half gallon jug. Yeah. I'm holding it right here. I've got a half gallon jug of water. Boom. Right. Yar. How are you loving that half gallon life? It has been, okay. It, (laughs) it has been pretty good so far. My goal, um, mostly was to try and just finish a single half gallon of water a day yeah. uh, while I'm at work because I'm not bringing this home on the weekend because it's cumbersome to move around and stuff. Maybe I need a home bottle. You probably do. I have actually come to that same conclusion because yeah. I I have my gallon jug on my desk and like I'll get home and I'm like, I can't remember where was I in my gallon jug because I, I can't do all of the full gallon at work right is what i've discovered like yeah it's, it's, it's like just it's too a much lot. i mean this is a lot of what i fill this up when i get to work and if i finish it by the end of the day it's usually near the end of the day when i'm finishing it yes and it's like i'm drinking it pretty consistently so uh it has taken uh it does take a while to get through a half gallon of water but um uh this is the one i've been going with it has been pretty interesting so far i'm not sure the main difference i've noticed is just feeling full all the time. Interesting. Yeah. So like there are so often where I'm like, I would otherwise go to try to like grab a snack or something. I'm just like, I just couldn't even eat something right now. I'm just constantly full of the water. See, I am the exact opposite. Like you've known, and we've talked about it before. My big issue is I can't eat enough on, on most days. And I have found that I am eating way more than ever before by like a multiplier of like three to four on the daily basis. And I am finding that as each new meal time comes around, I'm like, 
I am hungry. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I have no idea if what I'm doing is just like actually giving my body enough fuel so that it's like, okay, we're running full speed now. We'll, we're going to burn through all that. Like, good work. Now we need more. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we got momentum over here, man. Have you, you also been drinking? I guess you must be drinking an equally large amount of water. Yeah, I've been drinking a gallon each day yeah, well, for the man. past four days. Past four days. So, Ooh. well, good for you. I know. Here's the funny thing about water, though, because there are so many products out there and like moisturizers or cosmetics or um, like, you know, kind of like miracle cures, medicines, just a variety of different things. And I always think it's the funniest thing that like probably like, I don't know what percentage to give. I'm not a doctor for extreme clarity, but it seems like maybe 40% of problems can be solved by drinking more water, which <laughs> is one of the most inexpensive resources you have at your disposal. Does it turn out that um, we're all a little dehydrated? <laughs> I think it turns out that we're all a little dehydrated. That's probably so. true. Some other uh, just very uh, light thing I've noticed is that um, on the uh, few libations I've had since I started drinking this much water a day, I just could not feel them basically at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm way too hydrated. I'm way for too you. hydrated for it to have any effect on me. Oh man! So that, so, that that's was, been interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. been a big one for Alice and I. Like, if you've ever watched our vlog, uh, you know that like it's a it's a it almost feels like a running gag that I feel like in every episode at some point in time we have a libation. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of one of those things where like, that was one of, that's one of the other big elements of 75 hard is you, is you cut that out. Yeah. No alcohol, no alcohol right. for the whole time. And so I was like, man, this is gonna be really interesting because it's, it's honestly the way that we like have our rec time on mm -hmm. the weekends and stuff. So it, it'd be like, yeah, hey, you want to like go meet some friends at the brewery. And it's like, that's, more than anything, we're using it as like a mechanism to go and be like, be social with friends, like possibly sit outside or like try a new food truck or just right. go see something new. It's an attractive invitation to a prospective uh, friend. Such good words. Yeah. Such good words. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's been really funny to, I think, Allie and I, that we have both had this embarrassing, like glass shattering moment where it's like, there are other things we can do. And I think that it's like, we let that, that activity win so often that we were like, like we were just talking about it like the past couple of days. And we're like, Oh yeah, we could do this. We could go to this. We could go to this. And I was like, huh? Were we just like using that as a crutch? Like it was so mm. easy to like right. come to that conclusion as like right. an activity to do. And now we're like, Oh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do other things. Now. What other things have you done? Well, so, I mean, we've done a bunch of stuff actually. Yeah. I've started like a million projects Okay, <laughs> because you know, like when you're committing to a massive new dietary and physical fitness shift, the best thing you can do is start 13 other projects. Sure. Uh, I think I talked about it last week. Gardening is, uh, one of the big things that we're, that we're gearing up for, mm -hmm. uh, have some building projects, some home reno projects that we're, that we're looking at getting, getting the, getting moving. Right. Popcorn culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile. And it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a 
Fancy way of saying, it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. Popcorn culture is supported by Arena Club. Okay, so you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting. You know, to me, it was just like a rare Charizard is a rare Charizard. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip. Turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded, it can add huge value. And then not only that, but once they're graded, they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab. And that's where Arena Club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack, but it's for a pre-graded card. Now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading or or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out. And right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash pop pop, which wow, that is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's like $40 right there. Anyway, that's arenaclub.com slash pop pop for 10% off your first purchase. The other big thing that I've that I've been working on uh, is glamping. Um, this is you you know I don't know how much I've talked about it here on the pop, maybe not a lot. One of the things that I have sh- like striven to do strove striven strive strived. One of the things you are striving to do. You got it. That. You're so good with the words. Um, one of the things I've been striving <coughs> to do at some point in my life, I think, is just to go and create. Um, very fun experiential Airbnb properties that I could be the host of and, you know, rent out to people as like a, both a, you know, means of passive income, um, as well as just a really, really, really fun creative outlet for me. Um, cause one of the things you, you know about me is I like to like host parties, yeah. uh, which for the most part, through me too. the pandemic, you like to host parties. Yes, I do. No way. Yes. 
I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I do like to host parties. Like game nights? No, like, like parties. Part- like have lots of people over for a thing. I don't feel like I get invited to your parties. That's because you're always hosting one. Uh, They're always already there. So now it's a competition party. It's not a competition party. So I don't have to try. To I think. feel like I, this is like an interesting thing. I feel like you always say this as if it's like something very unique to you, like around me. And I'm always like, I also really enjoy this thing. I don't know why it goes unacknowledged. But I well, I mean, that's I'm sorry for not acknowledging <laughs> that. I, I honestly uh, did not would not have known. And, and it probably is or possibly is the case that it's common for me to jump on the opportunities uh, very quickly whenever they arise. Um, but also with the pandemic, uh, it's been yeah, one of these things where parties pretty much haven't done any. Um, that being said though, I think one of the things I really like about this idea of like owning or having these Airbnb properties is basically that like, it sort of gives you the opportunity to like create an environment for people to go and enjoy themselves. Even if you're not there, mm-hmm. uh, and, and more specifically, I won't be there. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any intent on, on showing up to, to uh, your, your... Sometimes s- at Airbnbs, the people sort of are there. It's just like they just live upstairs. That is true. Yeah. That, that occasionally, there, there is that, that circumstance. I have to tell you that as, as a traveler who loves Airbnbs, I do not want that. Uh, I typically oh, do, yeah. not, I do not want the host to come by and I say hello. I feel like hello. you're being like... It, it, I think that there's something about, like, if I go and rent an Airbnb, as far as I'm concerned, I can feel at home in that place. Like, for the period of time that I'm here, this is, like, my home base. I, like, you know, un- until Sunday or Monday morning at 10 a.m., I own this place. I right. live here. <laughs> that, um, I am glad you phrased it that way because that is typically just how I feel, like, even when even when I was like renting apartments in college or something, like to me, it was like, yeah, I guess I'm renting it, but this is mine. This belongs to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I never like the way I internalize it is that it's mine. <laughs> I know. I've seen a really funny meme before that was like millennials walking around like they rent the place. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's not wrong. Um, uh, where are we going with this, though? Um, yeah. So like I, I have, I have for some time tried to, uh, figure out some way to do this. The difficulty in getting into the, you know, Airbnb biz is that at some point in time you have to buy another property of some kind. Right. Uh, and that has pretty much been my bottleneck, I would say, because buying another property is difficult. Yeah. Um, and you know, just requires both a lot of attention, um, but also, guts probably somewhere in there because if you're taking on like an additional mortgage uh then you need to be prepared to yeah, handle that it? yeah, yeah. It's um, like it's like airbnb is like oh this is a great source of like passive income and it's like yeah if you already own the property it's a fantastic passive income otherwise it's like you got to make sure you're making it back yes exactly yeah. um so that that's like been the big thing and and in my mind i've always felt like okay i can come up with some cool stuff that would be like fun enough that would make it <clears throat> hopefully attractive to prospective travelers. Um, but uh, I have a client through my aquarium company that is a home builder. And so I bought plans for like a tiny house type of property for my, my land that I do own. And I was like, okay, this would be really great. Like what I can do is build a small property, like a 700 square foot, just like really swanky, modern, you know, like home. Right. And 
the thought in my mind was like, there's a variety of different uses for this. I could I could start renting it and collecting the income. I could potentially move into it uh, and start renting my current house while we start building our eventual house. And then it would be like this nice like middle ground type of place. Uh, and even in that way, there could be this scenario where eventually it could be like an in-law suite or something or a guest house. Like if I have friends traveling in and you can even give them, you know, instead of being like, hey, can I stay in your guest room? You could be like, can I stay in your guest house, you know, and then they can go and have like a physical structure that they have some privacy at. Um, so it was kind of like, oh, this would be great. And right now, obviously, there's a lot of supply chain related things going on. And so the quote back to build this small structure was like more than the current cost of my current home. And I was like, Ooh. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a lot. That's too much. Yeah. I can't do that. I like, you know, I thought this would, this would be like a, um, it was kind of one of those things was like, this will be a leap of faith. This, this will be scary, but like manageable. Right. And when, I, when I got the numbers back and this is even from like, you know, the friends and family discount, I was like, <gasps> Nope. <laughs> nope can't, I can't do that. Never mind. I'm sorry. So I was like, what costs less than a house? And the answer was a tent. um so i have been uh i've been working on like a a concept where i could go and take like one of the far-reaching corners of the land that i own and basically put together like a place you could go and kind of have like that very glamorous camping weekend experience where like there's a lot of like you're sort of kind of roughing it, but like also there's a real, it's not like an air mattress. It's like a real, it's like a real bed, a real bed. Yeah. And you would have some amenities through, you know, things like solar power or propane heat, or, you know, you could have like a gas grill, uh, where you're still technically off grid, but, um, like, not uncomfortable not uncomfortable right exactly you could have a coffee machine so like they could get up in the morning and uh you know and and have coffee or whatever uh so that is one of the big things that i have been trying to move all of the pieces in my head around to figure out like where do i where do i start because i went from like possibly hiring a building company to like i'm about to have to go and like diy the heck out of this entire (laughs) this entire project so do you yeah where where are you do you have a glamping tent now i do have a glamping tent wow yes okay I, i purchased one um and it is five meters across which is about big roughly speaking 15 feet okay um and it's kind of like a dome style tent it's very cool looking although i haven't actually physically set it up yet so right hopefully, hopefully <laughs> need a lot of space <laughs> I, I don't know I, mean, I don't even know if it would fit in my yard oh boy um it's, it's it says more about my yard than it does the tent probably sure. um where was i going with this yes yeah, so that's been a big one and then the other one is this idea of solar powering it yeah uh which is like its own kind of odd issue but thanks to people who do like the van life thing yeah there are small solar panels. So tell me whether or not you think this is a cool idea. Cause I thought it was kind of interesting. Okay. Um, solar panels can generate and fill a battery. Let's just say it has like, you know, 1500 Watts of storage or something. I, I think that that number's wrong, but just for ease of example, um, do you think it could be cool if like when somebody arrived, 
you have this battery power that is running all the various, you know, like you might have the string lights or like a lamp or maybe like a small fan mm-hmm. um, inside of the glamping tent. But I was like, it could be really neat if you were to put like an LED or high efficiency TV in there and almost have like a menu of like how you can spend your energy while you're there oh interesting you know so it's sort of like it's because from my end i'm kind of like i'm slightly worried about a scenario where they show up and they plug in a hair dryer and burn through it in an hour and a half and that's just it yeah and so i was like this would be a really neat idea though if you were to walk in and say like would you like to watch tv it will cost you like 287 of your 1500 watts right um not cost like you don't have to like like pay it's just like yeah Right. Like that is like, you know, so if you're like climbing in bed at the end of the night and you're sort of like, is it worth using that energy to do this thing? Like, I think it'd be like a really interesting way to like almost have like a small little supermarket, if you will, of different activities you could conceivably do inside of the, the, the glamping experience. Yeah. But you're, you're kind of like having some basis of knowledge as to just how much is left based on each of these decisions is it it sounds like that does sound like a very interesting way to like gamify your like um like uh, the the, the little battery in the top right of your like cell phone or something yeah yeah like it like as if when you opened you know twitter or something would be like are you sure you want to open twitter because it's going to cost you 0.0001 percent battery life to do this <laughs> right right yeah. right yeah <laughs> it's like the, all those decisions are probably so small that like on the whole it's like yeah that's fine yeah <laughs> i can i can swing 0.000 yeah <laughs> also you'll be opening twitter so are you sure <laughs> that's the real that's the that's real the trouble. real thing um yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um i don't know i mean the I would say all that being said, those are the fun parts of it. The things I'm super struggling with are the toilet. Uh, that would be, a, that's, a, that's the thing you got to be worried about. I mean, we have gone glamping before with the GMA and the toilet situation was just that, well, the whole, the whole glamping tent we stayed at was just like on a giant concrete pad, which I know you've got some experience with. I've done it before. And know. then there was like a separate concrete pad, a little off to the off to the side that also had just like a um like a porta john kind of situation <laughs> hey, going on. Hey porta potty. Hey porta potty john. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. There was <laughs> I know, I know. That um, that <clears throat> one has also that has also crossed my mind. I don't know. I mean cuz like you'd probably have to have like a semi-permanent one and then you would need like some way to maintain. I don't know. I'm probably getting into the weeds a little bit too much mm. for the purposes of the pop, but these are the problem-solving things that I have been going through. So if you have possible solutions, be sure to let me know. I am also aware of compostable toilets uh which people usually use in like their van life vans as yeah. like the toilet that they, they haul around with them um so if anybody has an experience with those it's like mm. that's one of those where it's like i don't want people to be like uncomfy right you know like, like mm. well this is yeah i mean if you're signing up for like glamping it's like you know you're also you're not signing up for a hotel room you are you are absolutely not signing up for a hotel room. Right. That is very true. That so, is very true. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it could work. Maybe it's I mean if you're upfront about it, you know, people I don't think anyone's going to like book it and then be like, you know, be surprised when they get there like, "Wait a minute." Yeah. You know. I didn't know that there wasn't going to be running water. Yeah. Like it seems like the sort of thing you just sort of know going in. Yeah, hopefully. I would think. Right. Yeah all the things to consider anyway so that that has been extremely fun for me to think about and spend my brain space on excellent well i'm glad you're having fun with it i'm excited to see your finished glamping tent 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'll stay in there. <laughs> Yay! Okay, you can test it for me. You can, yeah. you can do the trial run. Super. Let me know if it was worth watching The Incredibles 2 for 332 watts. <laughs> I think whether or not you gamified, it would probably be very helpful to have just like a gauge of how much is left. There would be a gauge. Yeah. yeah that is just a part of the, the physical device itself <clears throat> with like a visible readout that is telling you like you're at like 73% or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's probably a better way to put it is through percentage points. Right. Um, yeah. Something, something to work on. Something to, I'm, open, I'm open to ideas. Open to ideas. I, I need people to test run it for me at some <laughs> yeah. point in time. So The glamping tent. I know. It's going nice. to be good. It's going to be good. Okay, transition. Transition! Okay, Ben. So it has been requested several a time to me. Oh, and even by uh, some of our uh, Discord users, specifically uh, Discord user Gab, Gab, who's, a, uh, who's a, a patron of ours here on the pop, that we weigh in on the debate that has just been sweeping the internet lately. And I'm not sure if you've come across it. It's been something I've like wanted to bring up with you a bunch, but have been like, no, we've got to save it. I don't want to save it. I'll save it. Uh, I know you're really off Twitter, so maybe you wouldn't have come across it. But the question is, on Earth, are there more wheels or doors? What? Wheels or doors? Have on. you come across this? No. No? Wheels or doors? <laughs> we- Hold on. Are there more wheels or are there more doors? <laughs> so my mind immediately went to wheels. Mm-hmm. I think there are more wheels. Okay. Although, although I guess it depends on like what constitutes a door. This, yeah, this is where the weeds get thick. Is okay. What constitutes what things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. So like, yeah, so I immediately went to a car and I was like, okay, there's four wheels on a car, but there's also... F- there's also four wheels on a car. Also Wait, four doors on four a car. Doors, yeah, that's right. There's like four thing. doors on a car, and then there's like a glove compartment, and there's like a center console which sometimes pops up, you know? It's like sometimes a trunk. Does that count as like, would that be three more doors? Oh, no. Right. Then you've got spare tire. It's like, that's also there. I then you've got the steering wheel. Is that a wheel? Okay, okay. So now, now we're only talking about cars, too. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. So the other thing my mind went to is like those conveyor things that like you see at like shipping factories where they can like slide boxes. Yeah. And there it's like a it's like a whole bunch of small silver wheels that you can like slide a thing across. Yeah. And it seems like that's all that's a whole bunch of wheels that's in a one whole place. Bunch of wheels, one spot. You know? Um where else would there be high concentrations of doors? Like where it's like, like there are hotels, way... cabinets. Hotels. Oh cabinets. Cabinets are a big one. Yeah. Like houses in general, yeah. It's like how many doors do you have to all of the various? Because you've got like your bedroom doors, your closet doors. You've got yeah, like like cabinet doors, your medicine mm. cabinet door. Yeah. Does a shower curtain count as a door? I wouldn't count it as a door myself, but <laughs> how about a shower door? A shower door, yeah, I'd count that as a door. There is. I had the in in my bathroom. There was a door to enter the shower, and in like the kids' bathroom, there is a curtain. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> jokes on them. Yeah, jokes on them. Because oh, I don't even use the shower we we only put the shower curtain up like three weeks ago because my mom was going to spend the night and that was going to be the bathroom that she was using so why don't you have a glamping tent yeah. <laughs> with a composting <laughs> toilet we just have a guest room um okay so the other thing though is that like drawers drawers are doors but drawers roll on wheels they do they yeah. sure do yeah okay. a lot of these cancel out they do oh man what do you think you have more of in your house doors or wheels 
now I'm really now I'm really giving myself a struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because what all? What okay? So in a household, what are wheels? Because obviously drawers. That that's a good that's a good go to example. But do you have many wheels? I can tell you that in my house, there is a super clear winner. Is it? And it's not close. Oh, because you have Hot Wheels cars. It's wheels. It's wheels. <laughs> it's wheels. Uh, not only is it wheels, but I think I have enough wheels in my house to cover the entire neighborhood's worth of doors. Wow. That's a yeah. bunch of Hot Wheels. In fact, I think this is such a dumb argument and that the answer is wheels so astoundingly far that oh, it's really? not even close. Really? Yes. Oh, so you have a strong opinion about I have this. A, it's absolutely wheels. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I my at the very least, <coughs> wheels were my instinct. Okay, That's I agree. I, yeah, I came out of the woods swinging with wheels. Yeah. Um, the thing that that made me that made me pause on wheels is that like wheels, the wheel is. Oh, this is actually going to segue nicely into another topic that I have. Oh but boy, I won't I won't get there yet. Like a wheel was an invention, right? And so like it means that for the most part, all wheels that exist had to be made mm-hmm. whereas i feel like there could be natural doors that's an interesting question like would you call, okay so <clears throat> i'm staring right now across from us yes at a uh and an open door closet yes right so there is a door on it right now the door is open yep there is a door right there if we took the door off of it would there still be a door to that closet oh whoa you know what i mean no i don't think so i don't think so either it just that but but that you would pass through a doorway you pass through a doorway you pass through a door a doorless doorway i would say you pass through a hole and what's a hole (laughs) but a straw (laughs) but a wheel (laughs) oh this is the other thing this is the other absolute downfall of the doors on this particular argument is that you know what also counts as a wheel (laughs) doorknobs that's true that's true (laughs) maybe maybe then people are gonna get people get so so in the weeds about what constitutes what like does it have to have hinges does it have i've seen people arguing about like microorganisms that have you know like little tiny pieces to that i'm like that 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 you've gone too far that's not what people are asking they want to know are there more manufactured wheels or doors and to me, the very existence of the company Hot Wheels <laughs> puts it so far in one direction. Because, okay, my assumption, though, is that because part of Hot Wheels, Hot Wheels have functioning wheels. Yeah. All cars also have doors. Hot, Wheel, Hot Wheels cars, doors are, like, stamped onto them, but they don't open. Right. So, therefore, not a door. Right. I would say that. Yeah, they they had, like, doors drawn on them. Some of them. Right. A hundred percent of Hot Wheels have wheels. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's, like, a, like a boat. Or like a well, summer. okay. All right. Sure, sure. <laughs> Most Hot Wheels. Most Hot Wheels have wheels. <laughs> okay, so here's my query. Here's my here's my, yeah. my question. This is what this is what brought up my, my spark. Um, is... We were talking about the wheel, and I was going to say the wheel was an invention. It was created. But then my question was, was the wheel an invention or was the wheel discovered? Like, mm. And it comes back to a conversation that we had earlier this week, which I thought was fascinating in the office because it talks about this idea of what items, like what inventions are created versus discovered. And the the thing that we were discussing is music. Like, and we were specifically comparing music to math because math to me feels like a discovery. Like nature also backs up math. 
Right. So it almost feels like math was always there. It was always discoverable. You could always stumble across math in the same way that you could find like a rare toadstool in a forest. Right. Like eventually you could find math. And so my question is, is music the same way? Because what are notes if not numbers? Sounds. Right, but they're yeah. they're like they're like frequencies at which you are like yeah like which you are experiencing exactly. Yeah. But they like you know uh, like a uh, the frequency that makes a specific note is always it's it's I think constant. Right? I think so. Yeah. Right, like a C is a C is a C. But if you like a tuning fork, if like you flick that tuning fork, it's always going to make the same sound because that's what that's supposed to do is make this frequency. Right, like that's what it's capable of. Yeah. Um, and so, like. With that, it's almost like while we have done a good job of creating musical instruments that are capable of very effectively, like instruments, maybe inventions. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think that the trumpet was discovered. Yeah. However, for what it's worth, I think the wheel is an invention too. The wheel is an invention. I think so. Okay. I think, I mean, I think you could be easily inspired by, like, you know, putting stuff on a log you could roll. Right. Yeah. Right. Like like a circle, I guess is what I mean, already exists in nature. Right. Like like a exactly a log is a perfect example of this. Like, you know, somebody could have rolled something across. In fact, once upon a time we bought a hot tub for our previous house to remember we did. this. Yeah. And it weighed like, I don't know, nine hundred pounds. Right. And the way that we moved it across the backyard was by lining up a whole bunch of PVC pipes and basically just getting it to sit on the PVC pipe and then just rolling, rolling it. it. Yeah. And then once it rolled off one, move that one to the front. <laughs> yes. It worked exceptionally well. It, it was very I was like, oh, look at this. We could not move this at all and now we can move it easily. Simple machines for Yay. the win. Um but but simple machines, same thing. It's like they are the most basic versions of machines and for the most part are naturally occurring but they are called machines right i don't know that's a good point yeah but maybe that's a bad name simple discoveries simple discoveries (laughs) no i know i mean um it's yeah it's like does a thing exist always and then there is there like the ability to use that thing to accomplish more things i guess is maybe maybe where the question comes from like like if music just exists naturally like if if some type of strand is you know draped across a couple of trees and the wind blows and it vibrates at a certain frequency and produces a very light very hard to hear c note right like that's like like sound can be discovered i think like written music is like created okay yeah i like that that does make sense. Yeah. I bet I am. I feel quite certain that there is going to be some amount of like math you could apply to music where like, you know, in the same like these four notes always produce this sound and humans like this sound. And I, I don't I don't know. I don't know enough about either. Right. But it fe- I do feel like there's probably a certain amount of like the reason certain music sounds good is because numbers. Oh yeah, like four chord song. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so okay, what was I going to say there? Because one of the one of the examples we gave in office when we were discussing this is, I, and I can't back this up with any actual data, just assuming it's correct, uh, is that some plants do grow better if certain kinds of music are played for them. 
Um, right. It's like, to me, that is also incredibly interesting because it means like, like that's such a bizarre relationship because probably what you think when you hear that idea is that the plant is enjoying the music and is therefore happier, which is not the case. Right. Like what the plant is experiencing is a certain frequency of sound waves hitting it, which is beneficial to the plant. Right. Right. But you experience that as like music and rhythm. But now it makes me wonder, <coughs> is there any chance that like there are certain plants that grow in specific parts of the world because they are aided by the natural noises that are produced around them? Oh, boy, that's a very cool question. Right. I don't know. Like, like, is it possible that like, uh, um, like a, like a, like a coral of some kind, it seems like I'd be the person to be able to answer this because I've grown a lot of corals in my life, but I can't. Um, is it possible that like a coral grows better in the ocean because it can hear the ocean? Uh, because of like the sound of the ocean. Yeah. Hmm. What is all like? Cause like, you know, if you go to the, it's funny. Cause like when you go, if you're like, like, like listening to the ocean is very calming. Yeah. You know, and it almost makes me wonder if like, that's part of why there's so much life inside of the sea is <laughs> because life likes to exist inside. It's so tranquil down there. I know. Yeah. It's like, it's very calming. Yeah. But, like nobody's anxious <laughs> in the ocean. Yeah. Versus forest. Everybody's anxious Everyone's in the forest. What's going on, man? It's like, yeah. It's like, that's why they're so fidgety. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I just put it in a bird feeder and it's funny watching them eat because they seem very like, like they want to like eat a thing from the bird feeder, but then they also seem like they're on high alert. Like, mm-hmm. got to make sure we're, we're in the safe. Man, something that we are on the, uh, the Beth put up like a Kickstarter for this really cool bird feeder the other day that just has like a camera built right into like... <sighs> Where it has like a super wide angle lens, so that like a bird will come land right on it and, uh, you know, eat the eat the bird seed. But then it just takes a picture, like a really up close picture of the bird while it's sitting there. So there's like really beautiful shot of it. That's awesome. Like this seems like pretty cool. I'm not not interested in it. Oh, we should link it in the show notes. Yeah, that seems a good one. Yeah. Speaking of though. I think that we're probably at that stage of the episode. Yeah. Where we can sign off. Where we can sign off. Where we can sign. We do can we have? Leave. Do we have a corny joke? Maybe. We could have a corny joke. Oh. This corny joke before we leave comes from Robin Farian, who says, t- "This it's more of like a uh, what do we call them? one-liners." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, did you hear the legend of the peacock? It's a beautiful tale. <laughs> yeah. Ah, ah, yeah. Get it? Because. Oh, because man. Actually, as long as, as long as we're on, on birds. Yeah. How about a fun fact about penguins? Oh, well, yes. Right, right, Let's right. Let's do it. Take it over. Okay. A group of penguins in the water is called a raft, but on land, they're called a waddle. <laughs> Those are both great. Aren't they awesome? A, a raft? A I was raft. like, oh, that's so it good. Because like you could ride them. It does. It does seem that way. <laughs> that's it what it does feels like. Man. Yeah. And then a waddle, that just makes sense. They're all just like waddling back and forth there. I think when you hear uh, the word waddle is a word that makes you want to want to Makes you want to waddle. Yeah. Maybe the word waddle was discovered. Maybe. Now, this is like, I think what we're talking about is like in like name of the wind bingo. Um, like the very act of like discovering the true name of things. Yeah, you know? that's so true. Like, that must be it. what Patrick Rothfuss like, like, like what he was kind of like trying to think of is like that word just means what it is. Like it is that that is the same thing. Like it could not ever be anything other than what we already call it. Oh, look, and he even uses music as like the way. Oh man, we're so circling the same brain. Actually, this is just I'm gonna go ahead and brag real quick. Um, earlier this week, whilst on on the Twitter, I got retweeted by one Patrick Rothfuss. You, I'm so proud of you. I did. I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, we have a we have a stuffed Dracus toy, which is like a, a creature from the books. 
and uh, we put googly eyes on it, and it made it look crazy. And that's also what ha- spoilers. What happens to the Dracus in the book is that it eats some uh, drugs, and <laughs> it, just, uh, drugs. it eats some. Dr- it does some eating of some drugs and goes a little crazy. <laughs> so uh, I made I put up a post that said that had just a picture of the Dracus with the googly eyes and without the googly eyes, and said this is your Dracus and this is your Dracus on dinner resin. Perfect. <laughs> and, and it was uh, it's like one of the most niche memes ever. Like, oh yeah, not only do you have to be aware of the this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs uh, <laughs> ad campaign from like the early 90s, but you also have to have read Name of the Wind and understand what you're looking at. But a lot of people did. So. That's amazing. And yeah. so as far as I'm concerned, we can basically <clears throat> invite Patrick Rothfuss over for dinner. Basically. Like, I mean, you guys are basically besties. Yeah. Which I'm, totally. a, little, I'm a little envious of. But yeah. ma- you know what? If we're going to have him over for dinner, yeah. I can get you at your place. Okay. You can host. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can play. Well, you know what? I think he even has Name of the Wind games, so maybe we'll just play some games. It'll be great. Do you want to try to play Name of the Wind games with the person who made the games? Yeah, I don't, I don't feel good about my odds, but it sounds fun. Do you think he's good at tack? Somehow I actually do feel like you would still win. <laughs> I'm being entirely honest with you. Okay, guys, as ever, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Pop. If you would like to support us over on Patreon, you can do so by heading to patreon.com slash popcornculture. We do have some ridiculously cool perks over there, including at the $5 tier after the final pop, which gives you access to just a whole metric boatload uh, of all of the episodes that we have recorded after each week's episode of The Pop. So as far as bang for your buck is concerned, you get a whole bunch of extra content for Uh that $5 pledge and it goes a long way uh, towards helping keep the show alive over here are on our end of things. Otherwise, until next time, pop pop! Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.